Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Evolve series, where we focus on the evolution of leadership. Things have changed, yet we evolve and adapt. But what's next and what's next for you? Evolve focuses on the intersection of leadership, technology, and workplace. Don't get left behind. Join us in this evolution. Rise and evolve with us. I'm Kim Ford, your host, and I have a very special guest. Um, please, could you take a moment to introduce yourself and your company? Sure. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate you having me. My name is Tammy Daly Blackman, and I'm the CEO of Tammy Daly Blackman Group. And we describe ourselves as a suite of three companies, of which there's a, a management consulting firm, TDB Group Strategic Advisory, Looking Forward Lab, which focuses on Gen Z and Gen Z and the workforce very specifically. And lastly, Cooper & Lowe, which is a company focused on uh, women who are entering the entrepreneurial space and thought leadership space. Wow, that's exciting. And I love that you're focused on so many different kind of brackets and just mm -hmm. significant diversity. What is the looking forward lab? I love the concept of the two words looking forward. Um, yeah. Please tell us. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I chuckle because there's always a, a story. So in each of these companies, it, it came out of uh, a, a request, response to requests and the kind of work that was being asked of me, uh, specifically for Looking Forward Lab and that name. The name was selected 20 years prior, more than 20 years prior. I was uh, working in higher education, but there was a genesis to it. I was uh, cared deeply about leadership development, which had always been a part of the work I was doing. And I actually received something in the mail. I'm just sitting in my office desk going through mail, and there was something that said looking forward, and it just struck me. And it stayed with me, much like the word galvanize, which you see in our tagline around galvanizing one million leaders. And it just stayed with me. And I said, somehow that's going to be useful and important at some point. Uh, and so when this company was being developed in, in 2013 as a concept, and we didn't kick it off until just two years ago, but as a concept, that's how it got its name looking forward. And it was it seemed to fit appropriately with Gen Z. They're entering the workforce. They're going to be looking ahead, thinking about their trajectory of their career. So that's how we got to this name. That's great. And so what does that that lab do? So you said mm -hmm. it's focused on Gen Z. And is it helping them kind of build some type of foundation so that they could be successful going forward? So it's doing it in a couple of ways, exactly that. Uh, but it comes at it from Gen Z is actually there are target uh, audience, but they are actually not the target audience in terms of who uh, decides to come to Looking Forward Lab, uh, namely, because it's really that we work with those that are educating and training Gen Z. So it could be higher ed institutions. Uh, it could be organizations that are providing leadership development to Gen Z. And then on the other side, those who are hiring Gen Z into the workforce. So corporations, institutions, organizations. And so, yes, they are the central audience, but they're not necessarily the ones who realize initially how much they will need to actually enter the workforce successfully. And so we're doing programming that allows them to do uh, certifications while they're in college to be thinking about professional development, professionalism, performance review, how to actually, what it means to do the job and to be in a professional setting. Many people know, oh, I'm a good IT person or I'm good, I want to do HR, I want to be an attorney, but they don't actually know what it means to enter the workforce and how to be successful in the workforce. And so that's what they're, we're trying to get them to look forward to and how to be successful in the workforce. Oh, that's great. And young professionals, I think, are, are really struggling today more than, in my opinion, ever before. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think the reason is a lot of them are taking these great opportunities where they can work from home with their boyfriends and their cats and their families. And I think they're missing out on a lot of opportunities because they're not getting that mentoring 
that they used to get when they were sitting next to their leadership mm-hmm. and their peers. Um, what do you say in regard to those changes? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we talk a lot about this with uh, those CEOs, those HR managers, those directors of departments that they have got to really think about this experience we're creating for Gen Z. And it is very different for some of what you just noted and that COVID has brought all kinds of changes to the workforce. Uh, But it's also that Gen Z is the most diverse generation. They are the most technologically savvy of all the generations to enter the workforce. But they are also the generation that comes to the workforce with the least amount of work experience, interestingly enough, in five decades. So most of us, and I I say this all the time, that most of us had, we worked at the corner bodega, we worked at a retail store, we babysat, mowed lawns. But this generation, their lives were... Uh, that were teaching to the test and trying to put as many things on the resume as possible, not because they thought that was the way to do it, because sadly, it's what they were being told to do. And so they didn't get a lot of opportunities to learn how to write that email, shake that hand, be in a meeting and trying to learn or, or the mentorship in the way that we've received it professionally. So they come into the workforce at a disadvantage, not in terms of skills, not in terms of their ability to collaborate is, is just over the moon that they know how to do that really well, or their ability to be technologically astute or their ability to care about important issues. None of those things do they lack, but they don't always come with the the kind of professional experience that we're hoping for for them. And so that's what we're trying to help them think through. But it's, yeah, and then COVID has just added a whole nother layer in being remote. And where I'm worried about it's going to play out is in a couple of years as performance review and as they're looking to make leaps in their professional lives, it's hard to give something to someone I haven't seen. Uh, So we may see it play out in ways they hadn't anticipated there. Yeah, and as a leader, what do you think we should be doing right now for those young professionals? Like how can we impact them in a positive way? So when we are working with higher ed institutions and we're working with those that are hiring them, we're specifically talking about what would it mean to create the the most uh, beneficial experience for those newcomers to the workforce who are going to be asked to solve very complex issues for us, Gen Z. And we are really pushing hard some a couple of things. We're pushing hard, really rethinking performance review, performance evaluation. Uh, we're pushing hard things like executive coaching, doing that earlier. That shouldn't be something that's safe for one. Once you're 10, 15 years in the job and you're a mid-manager or your C-suite, you really need that early on. And it's not just the mentorship, but the executive coaching is actually helping them to ground themselves in the design of the actual uh, structure of their long-term career plan, uh, understanding of their plan, and asking themselves important questions. We work, for example, with some organizations where it's really not going to be a a lot of work there for them after two or three years if you enter as a Gen Zer. Not because you're a Gen Zer, just by virtue of the structure. So by doing some executive coaching early on, they are actually promoting the design of the career, thinking ahead, looking forward, and saying, look, we know you won't be here for 10, 15 years just because our company company wasn't designed that way. And we want to help you uh, to propel you to the next step in your career. So by offering the executive coaching early on, we give you a chance to think about that. And it's not something that you have to uh, do undercover or that you have to to worry about, will my manager support this? The company supports it and wants them to be successful. So those are just a couple of things that we've been promoting and helping to structure and providing those services because we know that those things have an impact earlier on and they have for sure have a long-term impact. Yeah, for sure. And and it seems like the gaps in, in generations, it's just, it's this huge gap now, uh, larger than it's ever been before. 
what should leaders be excited about as new talent emerges? Because I think we hear a lot of negativity of, oh, this, yeah. our kids are so lazy, our kids. And, and it's funny. I mean, I have, I have teenagers and my youngest, she's like, oh, I'm like, you quit your job? She's like, yeah, I quit my job. My, bop, my boss was a jerk. And I'm like, you just don't quit a job. But they don't, they just, it's what they do. And they're okay with it. And and it's this, there's so many jobs, there's 20 jobs right down the street that they have, you know, it's just, I remember as a kid, it was hard to get a job. Like you got mm-hmm. a job and you didn't do anything to disrupt that. So what are your mm-hmm. thoughts? I want a happy middle ground. I don't want yeah. people to feel like they're they're uh, indentured and they can't move and they can let someone treat them poorly. I don't want that to be the habits right. we form for any of our young adults, our children. I'm the mom of a of a Gen Zer, and I don't want that for her or for anyone. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's that. But I also don't want them to think that they get to just jump around and that there are some of the language that's associated with them is that they're lazy, as you mentioned, or entitled or presumptuous. And, and I do think that there is a middle ground. I think that Gen Z is responding to, again, a set of circumstances that we've put around them. And this is not for excuse making. It's just, let's look at the, the totality of the picture. Instant gratification is what they've grown up with Things can be done in 140 characters. Um, You can be an influencer. Uh, These are all things that I think the kinds of technology that have pushed us all ahead so wonderfully. But I do think that it has had some negative impacts in terms of what perception is around as you enter the workforce. What I also want Gen Z to think about is the people who are already there, been there 10, 15, 25 years, who offer great expertise to them, who can provide great mentorship, and to be respectful of that, to be open to what those seasoned professionals have to offer. But what I also tell my seasoned professionals, and I've heard some really bad things from them, is that some of them, almost to the point of wanting to haze young adults and is saying, you didn't want that for yourself. It was an awful experience. So why would you want this for this person? And so having to recalibrate everyone's thinking and trying to find this solid middle ground that we can be, we should be working together, we should care about the same things, and we can get there together. And when we've done that in companies, people have been really pleased about what that looks like around having different generations at the table. In some workplaces, you know, there are at least four generations in the at the table, oh, yeah. but some there are five. And yeah. so we've finding space for everyone is is really this kind of create this middle ground. So there's no uh what I really try to to get people to think about, neither side is right. Both sides have a different perspective, and we're trying to find this middle ground of how we can work and collaborate and do this work well. And more Gen Zers are, Gen Zers are actually open to that. They just sometimes need to be guided to what that positive experience could look like. I will just say this, Kim, one of the things we know for Gen Zers, and, and it's to their credit, and I hope many hiring uh, those who are hiring see this, they're also the first generation to care deeply about really important social issues and bringing them to the workforce. We always had generations that cared, and we've always had the generation yeah. ahead of that generation current saying, you're not doing your part or you're you're being presumptuous. Uh, but they care about climate. They care about diversity, equity, inclusion. They care about accessibility and belonging. They care about uh, social justice. They care about equity. These Mental things health. are they're important. They care about mental health. Yeah. And so I don't think they're wrong for wanting us to talk about those things, make an open space for those things in ways that were probably very unhealthy for prior generations that we couldn't talk about those things, but then helping to guide them around how we do those things or how we bring those things into the workforce. The last thing I'll say on that point is that a number of the the companies and organizations and institutions that we work with are really uh, taking on the idea of 
of uh, employee resource groups as another way of harnessing that energy. And it's exciting to see what these ERGs, as they're called, uh, how different than they were 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, no, that's great. And how do you think the structuring of leadership has evolved in the past five to 10 years? Because in, in my role, I've seen drastic changes on how people could just kind of this top down hierarchy where they could kind of demand, this is what you do. Here's your cube. Mm-hmm. Here's your computer. Get to work. And I feel like it, it, it's it's a positive thing in many ways mm-hmm. because now the employee actually has a voice, um, mm-hmm. which which is really important. But there needs to be some middle ground, I think. And this, it goes back to that middle ground of what I was just yeah. talking about. I think it's part of is how we onboard people as well and setting the right set of expectations for all of us. We have worked with some managers who've had very heightened expectations of Gen Zers entering the workforce because they've somehow conflated with because they're the most diverse generation or because they're technologically astute, they then, you should be ready to do everything. You should know everything and are not providing the same kind of guidance they would have to generations before or even had an expectation for themselves. And so we really have tried to get people to understand that, yes, leadership is evolving, but we still need structure, we still need support, and we still need a way to be able to talk about what's happening. What I do see in terms of the the evolution of leadership is more of the CEOs that we work with being willing to listen, and it's not this top-down hierarchical. And they're not doing that just because they're trying to appease. They're really, they've changed themselves. They want to be different kinds of leaders. So we see a lot more around co-directorship, co-CEOs, for example. We see more opportunities for boards of directors asking their CEOs, what is it that you need? Not making an assumption, but what is it that you need? How can we create greater capacity? How can we be able to support some of the initiatives internally that would create greater productivity? We're just seeing different conversations at every level of leadership, board of directors, the CEO, the management team, and all team members than we used to see five or 10 years ago. The other thing that we've also seen is that more people understand that it is almost impossible for any one institution to make all the impact they want by themselves. It's just the reality that no one institution has enough dollars, people, time, anything. And so they're also much more willing to collaborate. And so in that wanting to collaborate with others, they had to also model it internally about collaboration. And that's been for all of our better good. Uh, It's been of a benefit to all of us. Yeah, for sure. Well, the good news is we've seen a, a ton of progress, I believe, in the diversity, equity, inclusion. But what are some of the biggest ways you still see that we're falling short? I know it's it's a huge issue in the commercial real estate industry. It's mm-hmm. all basically what I would call 55 to 60-year-old white men. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to break in as a woman. What mm-hmm. what are what are you seeing? So we're one of the first things is we talk about this and here in our country in the United States that we tend to talk about this and when people hear diversity, they automatically assume race. And where <laughs> you went in that conversation let opened a different door, which is said yeah. it's harder for women to break into this. And that yes, it's about gender. We also talk about what it means to be differently abled, uh, creating not just an accessible in terms of lots of ideas, but truly an accessible workforce where people can maneuver around that physical space or even in that that virtual space, making it so that those who have a learning difference can easily still be able to keep up with the conversation, the notes. Those who have a visual impairment can still be a part of the conversation. I I have a close colleague who 
uh, says that these kinds of things, being on Zoom has been so hard for him for the last three years because he has a visual impairment and he can't see. He literally can't see all the cues that are happening before him. And so someone else might assume, well, that, wow, this is even better having Zoom because I can see you close up. But for my colleague, it's almost impossible and it's made it really difficult for him. And so he has now had to lead every conversation with reminding people, if you're nodding your heads right now, I cannot tell if you are, you know, just looking at each other and that's a a presumed conversation, you've left me out. So we're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and belonging. And then I get there. What does it mean that I belong? It's not enough if you allow me into the space, but then you don't actually allow me an opportunity to be part of the conversation or to find my leadership style or to be able to actually, you know, carry a project through from A to Z and build my leadership. So we're talking about it across all of it. Uh, It's not just age, it's not just gender, it's certainly not just race, but thinking about this in in the totality, it can be very difficult in a lot of these industries and marketplaces. And again, I go back to some of those things I said earlier, a strong onboarding experience. We also have the experience of having developed a number of fellowships over the last few years. And those fellowships have been a, a, a gateway, an entryway to bringing others into that particular industry. So, Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I uh, I, I think CEOs and leaders right now are, are very challenged. Uh, obviously, we're on the other side of the pandemic. Things have changed. Employees kind of have taken some control in some instances. Companies are trying to say, I need you back in the office and mm-hmm. and they don't want to go. So there's this kind of really big, I call it, you know, right now it's a give and take. What mm-hmm. advice do you have right now for leaders as they kind of navigate what's next? So I'll give you some examples of CEOs that we're working with, boards of directors we're working with as to how they are trying to have this conversation. And they've not limited that conversation to just themselves as the board of directors or the CEOs. They are using their management team. They're doing focus groups with team members to ask these questions. Uh, and so to your point, they've, I think most of the folks we work with realize it's going to be a hybrid. Uh, but they are doing things like reviewing their performance review. Uh, even those that are fully hybrid, some of them are spending more money than they did having a leased office space because what they're now saying, they're bringing the team together three or four times a year, a year, the whole team together, and they're doing it regionally so they can be together in different places. They rent out a space, whether it's a hotel meeting room or or some kind of co-working space, but they are being together and they're saying, this is a mandate if you come to our company that you have to be willing to travel three to four times a year for these regional meetings that last sometimes for the entire week. That's the that's the give the take you know that's the so that you can then take away that you ha- then you're remote the rest of the time so they're trying to find ways to be able to meet the needs of as many as possible but everyone agrees there's no one solution and there certainly isn't a perfect solution right now and you're right we have a lot of uh, those who are saying we want to be back in the office and are struggling with it I've even heard people who love remote say to me mm-hmm. I'm really still I'm struggling I like it because I don't have the long commute but I I'm struggling. I miss the routines. I do miss seeing my colleagues. I miss learning from other people. And so I think if we do decide that we're back in the office for some of those people, for example, with young children, long commute, taking care of an elder, if we again could continue to offer them an opportunity of two days remote, uh, that this would be something that just would alleviate a lot of stress, make them more productive and make them excited to be back in the space. Oh, for sure. And do you have any advice for leaders, general leader out there? The advice is, yeah. They've got to listen. Uh, It is when we don't listen, it is at our own peril. 
um, yes. because that's when our those who are in our company feel like that we are being dismissive, uh, that we don't care. And that's when you get a lot of transition. You get people moving on to new roles. Uh, you get people going online on Glassdoor and other places, putting up negative reviews. Or simply you have people who are there biding their time and are not their happiest and not being their most productive. And it is possible to have both productivity and happiness in, in the workplace. And I think it begins with listening to what people need. And you're not trying to promise that you can meet every need, but listening. Oh, that's great. Great advice. Thank you so much, Tammy. Our goal with Evolve is to enable leaders to learn, connect, and grow together. And I can't thank you enough for spending your time with us today. Thank you so much. It was Thanks a pleasure. Thanks for having me.